Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, life purpose coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Ashley Trammell, a grateful person in recovery from addiction who's relentlessly committed to pursuing her purpose for helping others overcome obstacles to a fulfilling life. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. My guest today is Ashley Trammell, who is a 38-year-old mother of three beautiful children. She's a grateful recovering addict that has struggled with addiction more years than she hasn't. Ashley has been in recovery for over two years and has worked the program and continued doing the next right thing. The catalyst in her story was losing custody of her youngest daughter due to her addiction. She was making poor choices and her mom stepped in with the Oklahoma Department of Human Services to protect her child from those poor choices. Ashley struggled with anger, guilt, resentment, and addiction to top it all off. She found her recovery family and they loved her through it. They gave her the grace and space to figure it out. She thanks God every day for all of her struggles and accomplishments because they all mean something today. Her greatest accomplishments are completing a DHS case and regaining custody of her youngest daughter, enrolling in college classes at Oklahoma State University, Oklahoma City, and taking the opportunity to participate in the OSU, OKC, Center for Social Innovation program. Without her sobriety, none of this would be possible. Ashley's goal is to help others overcome their obstacles. She currently serves as a parent partner with NorthCare, helping parents with DHS cases to overcome their barriers. She is so honored to share her experience, strength, and hope with others. Ashley feels like that is her purpose. And her favorite quote, One day, in retrospect, The years of struggle will strike you as the most beautiful. And that's from Sigmund Freud. Ashley, welcome to the show. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's really, really good to have you, Ashley. I'm glad that you said yes. I told you that beforehand off mic. And uh, and it's it's really cool to sit down with you. So we've gotten to know each other primarily through the CFSI program. And that link will be in the show notes, the Center for Social Innovation. And, and really that, uh, that has led to this moment, you know, just following along on your journey and getting to know one another has been very exciting and meaningful for me. And so I had to have you on the show. So I'm glad you said yes to that. The invitation was an affirmation that everything that I've been doing is, um, is leading me in the direction that I want to go. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so we're going to dive in. And as you know, uh, Ashley, we start each episode with a kickoff question, and you've chosen yours, and I'll send that your way, and then really we'll just see where the conversation takes us. All right, let's do it. Okay, so here it is, Ashley. When did you know that you wanted to be doing what you're doing today? Once I got certified as a peer recovery support specialist, I didn't really know what that entailed or what it had to do with, but for me, it, it was the next right thing. It was the next move. Um, and, and it was a very strategic move, uh, because I still hadn't regained custody of my daughter. I was still, you know, working a program through the department of human services, uh, to get her back. And, and I just always asked myself, is this going to get me closer to my daughter? And if the answer was no, or I don't know, or not, yes, I didn't do it. And getting that certification was a definite yes. So I went for it. And and once I was certified, I Googled PRSS positions in the Oklahoma City area. And the first hit, literally top of the Google list, was parent partner with NorthCare. And I opened it up. And, and I remember that night like it was yesterday reading over the job description and crying Hmm. tears just started flowing because I knew right at that moment that that, that this right now, what I'm doing, 
a year ago, I set as a goal, I'm going to be a parent partner with North Care. And here I am. Yeah. And here you are. What about that role speaks to you? I know, we know a little bit of your story now as we're listening, right? And I know more of your story, and I know you're going to tell more. But what is it about that role that you're like, that brought those tears and the, and the knowledge that this is, this is what I wanted to be doing? Helping other parents overcome barriers, obstacles, sharing that, that experience, strength, and hope. Because I didn't have a parent partner. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anyone. Um, not that I didn't have anyone, because I had a huge, I had everyone. Um, but I didn't have anyone specifically saying, hey, I went through this. This is what worked for me. It might work for you. What can I do to help you? Let's do this. I, I didn't have anyone like that. And from my understanding, when I read that job description, that's exactly what that is. Now, I don't want to go too far into it because I I have actually just started. Last week was my first full week. Yeah. This is my second Monday on the job. Okay. And and so right now I'm just shadowing, but from what I can tell is everything that I wanted and needed but didn't know it and I get to be that. Yeah. That right there is just so powerful. And I know I'm just receiving it from you in this room. If people were in this room, you'd feel it too. That it's meaningful, it's purposeful to you. And the way that you described it is is so super clear. And I think, you know, for a lot of us when when we go through something, right? Something significant in our lives, it's challenging, or it can be awesome too, but oftentimes it's challenging. You know, we have a loss or we have uh, uh, we go on a path that we didn't intend to go down. And we come through that and we learn another way and, and we look back and think, I wish I could have had something like you're describing. And to be in that role, and you're new in the role, to be fair. So anyone listening in, hey, Ashley's new in the role. I have specific instructions on not to speak about it. Okay. So she, <laughs> she's been told not to say too much. Yeah. But in terms of maybe your own journey outside of the role, can we go in that direction? And maybe if you're comfortable talking a little bit more for those that may not be clear, like, okay, you, you lost custody of your daughter. What happened? Any level that you're uh, comfortable sharing and anything that you're not, please feel free not to share. But would you like to go in that direction just so that folks can understand some of it? Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and two years ago, a year ago, five years ago, I couldn't tell you why I was doing the things that I was doing. It wasn't until I really took my recovery seriously and found my sobriety that I was able to reflect on things that I had been through in the past and come to an understanding of how that's affecting my behavior. Only then was I able to stop behaving in that manner. And, and what I realized was that my father was in trouble a lot of my life. All my life. Um, and so he was in and out of prison. And, and when I was 15 years old... Um, was when it, it really affected me as, as an adolescent. Um, that's why adolescent, you know, uh, prevention um, for adolescents is so important. And structure and stability within an adolescent's life, because that was pivotal. That's a pivotal moment in anyone's life. And the, the trauma, the, the trauma that I had experienced and and the lack of proper coping skills really determined the direction my life was headed. And, and so at 15, I started using, I started drinking and, and I started using drugs, heavy drugs, cocaine, meth. It was crank then. Um, and, and so that right there, um, really put a cease to school, academics, um, 
and I still went to school. Um, I didn't go to classes, so I ended up being a fourth-year freshman before I got expelled from the high school. Went to the alternative school, made it through all four years of high school, and, you know, self-sabotage, got expelled from the alternative school, and the, the principal sat me down in his office and and said, you know, you're smarter than this. This I see so much more in you, and you're better than this. He said, you're going to be up here next Saturday, and you're going to take the GED test. And I was there, took the GED test, got my GED, and um, and then I was done with school, you know. Um, but I still hadn't... Um, because I didn't deal with the trauma, okay, I shoved it so far back in the back of my mind that at a point in my life where it was time to, like, start making moves and, like, doing things that adults are supposed to do, it was shoved so far back that I didn't even know where to go in to start to pull those feelings and those emotions and those wounds out of those boxes to deal with them. Okay, so they're still there, which created like a black hole in my mind. I can think back and I see nothing for like a large part of my life. And I don't believe that it was because I was so inebriated or I was so, you know, high or, or drunk that I just blacked out and don't remember anything. I think as a coping mechanism, nothing is accessible. And... Um, so that hindered my performance as an adult, you know, so now I'm done with school, got the GED. Um, so I, can I curse? Yeah. Uh. I, I half asked, you know, made it through. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now it's time to really start doing things with my life and I couldn't access anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was not there. And so I did continue to do the only thing that I knew how to do, which was use. And, and I maintained, I, I could function, you know, well enough to go to work because I knew I needed money to, you know, keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what I'm doing and to live daily life right. also, but also to use right. and, and party and et cetera. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and and so, yeah, there were times in my life, um, bouts of sobriety, mm -hmm. um, not recovery. Right. I could quit cold turkey. Okay, yes. And say I wasn't addicted. Yeah. But it, a matter of months, and there were even, like, stints of, like, years where I didn't party or use, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, but still, either way, there was underlying childhood trauma that still wasn't dealt with. Yeah. And... Um, which hindered my relationships as well. And so then I went back to, to drinking and partying and using cocaine. Mm -hmm. And I became a bartender, which was a very toxic, um, environment to be in. And, um... So, yeah, I'm missing parts. Yeah, yeah. Of it. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, because before I became the bartender, I was working at, at Cox at, in retention. And I was very, I'm a very, I've been a very successful salesperson. And I'm not giving myself enough credit. Because yeah. I was successful. Right, right. Um, Love that statement. You know, I was very successful. However, mm -hmm. the addiction and the un underlying trauma that wasn't dealt with yeah. always came up and would stick its foot out. And, yes. you know, it's like, right. okay, yeah. well, you've had enough of this. Let's right. burn it to the ground. Get back, get back down here. Yeah, come right. on back down here. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so, yeah, and even still, like, my memory, like, I was just moving on to, like, let me tell you only the bad stuff, you know, when there was some really, really awesome, good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess I'm just trying to get to 
the most recent. It's a really long story, and it's crazy. If I could write a book or a yeah. movie, uh-huh. like it would be so interesting to watch. Agreed, a hundred percent. Some of the stuff yeah. that I've been through, but yeah. Um, so basically, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I've spent a majority of my life chasing men who were like my father, mm-hmm. doing the things that they did, which were a lot of the same things that he did, even though I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. My heart did not want to be doing the things that I was doing. Yeah. But I didn't know any other way because when I lost him when I was 15, it opened up a gaping wound that I never tended to. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And and so subconsciously, I don't think, oh, this guy, he reminds me of my dad and he's doing drugs. I'm going to chase after him because maybe if I catch him, then I can ask him, hey, let's stop doing this and build a family. And then he'll decide to do that with me. And then that will fill that void. Right, right. Yes. That's what was happening. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what I was doing. I didn't know it Mm-mm. until I started working on myself. Yeah. Working on me. Right. Peeling back those layers, layer by layer. Yeah. Till I got to the core. Mm-hmm. Only then was that, you know, I'm not saying that cured my addiction, but, um, you know, it, it sent that monkey to daycare. Mm-hmm. For darn sure. Yeah. You know, it's no longer jumping on my back. Yeah. And it's a great metaphor. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and it, it's still, you know, like you pick your kid up from daycare, you know, so it still comes back. It still bounces around back there every now and then. But for the most part, I have a handle on it. Yeah. Because I'm not doing the things that I used to be doing that led me into that lifestyle. Yeah, I love so, that statement so much. It's so full. There's so much in that statement right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not chasing men. Mm-hmm. One, I have I have an awesome and amazing um, boyfriend, and and we just had a baby, and and you know he's had struggles as well, mm-hmm. and he's working on himself, and I'm working on myself. Mm-hmm. So together, we're working on ourselves side by side. I'm not working on him, and he's not working on me. And that is the most amazing feeling and the most gratifying relationship that I have ever been in. Knowing that I don't have to worry about fixing him, and he's not trying to fix me. Mm -hmm. Because we are who we are authentically. Right. I've got big old tears in my eyes right now, and it's it's just a really honest expression because I can relate. I can read that on a personal level. So any listeners hearing this episode and doesn't really know my podcast, I'm a person in long-term recovery myself from addiction, alcoholism, and um, substance use disorder, some would prefer. Okay, I use all the terms for myself. And, and the type of relationships that I was used to were different, but they're a variation of the same idea, right? And it's trying to fix something. It's trying to fix something that wasn't complete or whole or was missing in my life. And I'm not blaming anybody that's listening that's a family member or any past people in my life. I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. And until I learned what was going on in my relational dynamics, which really started with me and how I related to myself and the world, until those stories could heal and find new chapters and new language, so to speak, then I could relate to others differently. And it wasn't until currently my wife and I, um, when she needed to step away from our relationship to be safe and healthy with our daughters, that was the right decision. Hardest thing she ever did. In our situation, we got back together and we started working in that time that we were separated side by side from very far apart on ourselves. And we came back together and we kept doing exactly what you're describing right now, Ashley. And that's just doing our thing to be healthy, well, complete, a great partner, etc. And then when you do that together as a couple, who knew how great that can be? I mean, I didn't know. So I'm just hearing what you had to say. And there's, when I tell you this, and I've said it time and time again, no, there, there is no such thing as a coincidence. Hmm. Okay. And we were together 
in 2019 mm-hmm. when I had to step away from the relationship because I had things I needed to focus on, which was that DHS case. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I had you. to do what the court and what the department was asking of me. I had to prove myself. Um, and so I stepped away. And in that time, as I was working on myself, he was working on his health. Mm-hmm. And we came back together. Yeah. Still, mm-hmm. we're a work in progress. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so there was 18 months of separation between the two of us. Gotcha. Yeah, right. Which was really hard. Mm-hmm. And I had to to show... I felt like I was showing the court and the department, you know, hey, I can do it. Um, but I was really showing myself. Yeah. Yeah. That I could do it. Yeah. And I made a lot of really good decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, sound decisions that I had never made before. I've made right turns. But I've never made really good decisions like I, like I have in the last two years, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and patience mm. is a virtue. Oh yes. Just being still mm-hmm. when you want to jump. Yep. When you're unsure uh, of which way to go, don't go anywhere. Just stay put, yeah. you know, and, and it will come to you. And, um, so yeah, basically, um, back to that catalyst, which is a really good part of my story. Yeah. Um, I was with a man who was using drugs and selling drugs and, and I was using drugs and he was selling the drugs and it just made sense. Hey, we should be friends. Hey, you know, um, very bad decision. Right. On my part. Right. But it makes sense to it, me. It, it, it was a right turn yes. at that point in my life. Right. But it was a very, very bad decision. Mm-hmm. Hey, stop doing this. <laughs> we need to stop doing this. I want to stop doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? We love each other. Let's not do this. Um, you know, and back to filling that void is what I was hoping, mm-hmm. um, which never happened. And then a no-knock warrant was served on the house. Yeah, that's real. That is real, and yeah. it's really loud. Yep. Too. Yeah. Um, and and I got charged with the drugs that he had in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Possession with intent to distribute within 2,000 feet of a school. Oh, okay. Yeah. There were six of us in the house, and everybody got charged with something, mm-hmm. and we were all arrested. And... In the Logan County Jail was where I found out I was pregnant. Yeah. Wow. Right. With my little girl. Yeah. Tough times. That's Tough not spot. why. Hmm. That that's not why they mm-hmm. took her. Mm-hmm. That's not why I lost her. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it should have been. It was well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but um I got out and got an attorney. And fought those charges, which were dropped. You know, he wrote a letter and with the body cam footage, hey, you pulled that out of his pocket. You really can't. Just because I was in the room, you could, but really that's not going to hold up. So those charges got dropped. And I got a job at the Holiday Inn Express in Guthrie Mm -hmm. as a housekeeper. Eight months pregnant. Yeah, wow. He's about to get out with drug court. Okay, that's that was the goal. Um throughout all of his, um, court hearings. And, and so in my mind, I'm going to work really hard because I'm sober now. I'm not recovered. I'm sober. I'm clean. Yeah. Okay. Not using. Not using. Is that a a synonym for you? That's right. Not using. And there's a difference. And we can talk about that too. Yeah. yeah, So I'm not using. Right. And, and I'm working really hard and I worked my way up from, um, housekeeper to um, front desk to um, housekeeping manager to operations manager. Wow. That's, of the that's hotel. Awesome. Yeah. So it was the general manager and then it was me. Right. 
And so I did all the scheduling. I did uh, just everything, made sure the daily operations were running smoothly. Okay. And my mom helps me get a car and I get an apartment. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and so me and my daughter move in and like eight days later, he gets out. So I had my daughter in September. He gets out in November. And all he had to do was call in for curfew and pass his UAs. Everything else was taken care of. All bills paid on the apartment. The car is paid for. I'm working. All he has to do is focus on his program. And uh, Christmas Eve, he leaves. And he never comes back. Mm, yeah. Thank God, right? Mm. That was very hard for me. I bet it was. I can only imagine. So um, I've got a few-month-old. I mean, September, October, November, December, a four-month-old. Yeah, little one. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, he leaves. Mm. Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day, still sober, white-knuckling it. Yeah. Holding okay. on for dear life. Yes. Holding on to what you got, Fighting. Too. Depression, uh, you know, I'm sure there was some underlying a uh, postpartum because I was postpartum. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, heartache. Mm-hmm. What I thought was heartache. Yeah. It was really a blow to the ego that I was confused. Okay. I thought that was my heart that was aching, but really it was a wounded ego. How do you discern that? Because that's that's key. You can't. How, how, do, how do you see it now? How do you see it today looking back, that part? Hindsight. Yeah, exactly. It's 2020. Right. But maybe there's somebody listening in like, wait a minute, what does that mean? Reflection, being still with yourself. Yeah. How do you know the difference today in language that you can seem to find? Like the difference between the ego and the heart in this situation. And if you don't know, no worries. Well, I fell in love with myself. Ah, there. Wow. That's blowing me away. Yes. Love it. Mm -hmm. So I know the meaning of true love now. And that was not love. Mm. No, that was ego. That was boosting my ego. I got a job. I got a car. I did it mm-hmm. all on my own. Yeah. I'm the boss. Uh-huh. And then he leaves. And that was like, oh, you don't want to be with the boss? <laughs> like, you don't want this car and this house got it. and Look this what baby? I did. Like, right. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, chills I'm getting right now. Okay. Because I've never really verbalized that, yeah. but that was a huge blow to my ego. Yeah, I bet it was. Not a broken heart, mm-hmm. because I never felt love from that man. Right. Okay? Right. And what I thought I was, you know, I didn't love him. I, I couldn't love him. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I didn't love myself. There. Yeah. Yeah. That's you so know? powerful. Keep keep right uh, where you're at. Remember where you're at. For those that are listening, and play that back, <laughs> play that play that back a minute. You might even pause it. You know what I mean? Because right there, just learning to love oneself, and I can say that I've been on a journey too, um, finding out what that means. It is possible. It actually exists. You can learn to love yourself in ways that are healthy and good for you, and they're great for other people and the ones that you care about. It's a completely different way of relating from the inside out to other people. Absolutely. And it's a childlike love. Like you have to fall in love with that little kid Mm -hmm. that still resides within you. Mm -hmm. And you have to nurture that little thing inside there, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and that's the best way, you know, somebody said, how would you take care of the little girl inside of you? And that really changed the way I felt about myself. I don't, I quit looking at myself as this huge fuck up that's, you know, burned every relationship to the ground, destroyed everything she's ever had, sometimes on purpose. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. I quit looking at that person Mm -hmm. and focused on the little girl, Mm -hmm. the innocent little girl that needed something. Mm hmm. And I started feeding her. Yes. Right. And she received it. Yeah. And that that asshole just took off. I don't know where that person is. Yeah. Thank God they left. Yeah. And you mean that. Yeah. I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Jerk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anymore. Yeah, that wasn't. Thank God. That wasn't for you. He no. wasn't for you. No, that. I'm talking about myself. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Him too. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have to deal with mm-hmm. the me that that self sabotaged. That yeah, didn't gotcha. feel. I don't have to deal with the me that says you don't deserve anything, right? Um, because you know your dad didn't even want you. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't that person that jerk is gone. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. That's big. That's huge. And knowing who you are in this place, like where we're pausing here, that we've come to the conversation, knowing this person that you love, and I'm going to use words respect, believe in. Uh, no can accomplish great things, knows how to love others, etc. What is it like just to be at this place in your life with the person that you are on a daily basis? It's amazing. Yeah. If I see it and I want it and I go get it and I make it happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I literally do. I'm not joking. Yeah. Um, you know, but there was um, a time in my life where... Um, I couldn't think five minutes into the future, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I couldn't, you know, I, I refused to think about the past, which was creating that black hole, which is that, that black hole was filling the void, mm-hmm. you know, just, yeah. you know, so I wasn't present and, and I, I was, I just really felt empty. Mm-hmm. And I'm full right now. Yeah. What's there? I mean, you mentioned some words, but what seems to be there for you in that now? space? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Just um, optimism. Mm-hmm. Uh, very optimistic. Um, you know, and and integrity mm-hmm. is one thing. Doing the right thing when nobody's watching mm-hmm. is very important. Um. You know, that is a huge thing for me, you know, and not that I'm an egotistical person, but that also is a better way to feed the ego than superficial things. Mm -hmm. You know, if I do it, I know that I did it and that makes me feel really good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's okay is what I hear you saying. That's a good thing, right? Absolutely. We all need that. So here from like a coaching perspective, you know, we all have an ego. We all have the identity, like the small I that exists and it's going to keep on going on and be a part of us for the rest of our lives. They say you have to kill it, but you really can't. You can't. No. No. Those that have been to the bottom and they've they've seen the self and all the different selves in there. Right. You know, if we're off the track and, and you're not following, if you're listening, just pause for a minute, you know, keep, keep listening or do something else. But <laughs> this is, this is core to me and how I view the world too, because I've been to that bottom, that rock bottom of the self. And I'm like, this is who I am and this is who I'm not. And I have to take both of them with me. I have to take the one that's sort of the invented self, the ego that's needy and yeah. wants it and wants to win and never wants to feel pain and always wants to be accepted and belong Part of that's the true me. Part of it's not. Absolutely. It's just a story. Yeah. So I have to navigate that, and I have to learn to communicate with that part of myself and recognize when it's out of line, meaning the right. ego self. Absolutely. And what's underneath it is so... That's what fills the hole. That's yeah. what fills it for me, too, is that the me that I really am. That's right. I get to be that. Not Absolutely. perfectly, and it's not always whole. You know, right. There's still parts that are being worked on and probably always will be. But like you, I found that difference, and it's amazing that that we get to live this kind of life with Absolutely. that knowledge and experience. Yeah, yeah, it really is an amazing thing, and it's an amazing time in my life. I've um, and I'm so grateful for like the terrible things. And when I say burn it to the ground, I literally mean mm-hmm. like burn it to the ground. Um, you know, remember Valentine's day? I'd mentioned that earlier. Yeah. A few days later I thought, well, I can go out and mingle. It's been a while. He's gone. You know, ego had -hmm. been sitting at home all by herself, stroking herself. Mm -hmm. Okay. This ain't working anymore. Mm -hmm. 
Let's go out and get some attention. Boom. Mm -hmm. That night, went to the bar, left the bar, went to the casino, used Mm -hmm. that night. And when I tell you, literally, from like February 24th to July 7th, I had literally lost every single thing in my life right down to burning the catching the apartment on fire. I didn't. Someone that I let stay at the at the house caught it on fire. Mm-hmm. I got fired from the job. I on my way home, I pulled into the uh, apartments and the person that I had staying there said, "Oh, great. I need to use your car. I got to go sell these power tools and my living room's full of power tools." This person showed up on my doorstep with $3.24, and now there's a house full of power tools. I said, no, you're not going to take my car to go sell those power tools. not going to happen. I went. I didn't have a pack of cigarettes. I went to leave, and there's the police outside my door. So I say, hey, you know, don't move. And I, I know my rights well enough to know when I came out, I locked the door behind me. Mm-hmm. They said, we're looking for somebody. And I said, that person's not here and I'm on my way to work. I was still wearing my uniform, which I had literally just gotten fired. I said, if you want to go in there, you're more than welcome to, but you got to come back with a warrant. Right now I have to go to work. And I literally got in the car and as I pulled out of the apartments, I hit a, hit a bump and busted the radiator in the car. Went to the store, got a pack of cigarettes, smoked a cigarette, thought, okay, I'm going to go pick my daughter up and I'm going to leave town for a little bit because I got to clear my head. I just lost my job. My house is full of power tools. I probably just really messed up my car. I just need like a saw, right? So I go pick my daughter up and I somehow, gallon for gallon of water, make it out to Luther with the car overheating where I stayed for with a friend for uh, probably a week and a half until I got a call in the middle of the night. Hey, um, the apartment's on fire. You probably ought to come here. Uh, mm -mm, No, that was literally June, like June 27th. Okay. So from the 24th of February. Yeah. All the way to then. All the way to then. Yeah. Okay. House. Okay. Job. Car. And now the apartment's on fire, okay? I, doing what I do best, just ignored it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just not going to go back there. Like, I got, you know what I mean? I don't have a job. Now I don't have an apartment. You know what I mean? What was I thinking? Why would I, in my right mind, think, oh, you better not, you better go there. Mm-hmm. Right now your apartment is on fire. Didn't do it. Didn't go. Didn't go. Yeah. Hadn't talked to my mom either. Hadn't told my mom, hey, I lost a job. Hey, I just blew the engine in the car. And, um, oh, by the way, the apartment's on fire. Or the apartment is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not dealing with any of it. No, right. Okay? Yeah. July 4th, I think I'm going to go see my mom. I'm going to maybe stop by the apartment and just kind of, like, see how bad it is. Okay? Yeah. I drove by and I could see there was still tape outside and the windows were all busted and it was just black. The whole apartment was just... It was bad. Yeah. It was bad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to stop there. So (laughs) I just kept going on through the little town that I lived in to my mom's house. Yeah. Sat down across from her and she slid a card, a detective's card across the table and said, you're in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of questions that need answers and you're going to answer them. Okay, that's a moment. That was a moment. Hmm. She picks up the phone to call him, and because it was a holiday, they didn't answer. And she said, you come back tomorrow. You come back tomorrow, and we're going to do this. And so I thought, oh, God. What could they possibly want to ask me? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, I show up the next day. Right. And she picks up the phone to call them. And I said, I'm going to go out on the front porch and smoke a cigarette. And I went out the front door and on down the street. 
left my kids with my mom mm-hmm. and just left. And I called her the next day and she said, you know, they're fine, you know, with, with me. Um, Monday, we're going to go out to the cemetery in Beggs to see, you know, put some flowers on the grave. Me and, um, me and your aunt and this and that and the girls, we want to take the girls. So I thought, okay, you know, that's fine. That was not the case. She did not go there. Mm-hmm. She did not go there. She went straight down to the department yeah. and said, Hey, my daughter is making some very poor choices and I need to protect these kids. So, um, I get a call from a number in Guthrie and I answer it and they're like, this is so-and-so with DHS. We've got your kids down at the police station. You need to come down here and answer some questions. Mm, Yeah. And so I went down there and, and at this point I'm, I'm high as a kite. Yeah. Okay. I am just three sheets to the wind and I go down there and they asked me the questions, which I didn't know anything about, but there were some guns in the house that were brought out of the house at the fire and just left outside. Yikes. And those were stolen guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any guns go in. I didn't see any guns come out. I can't answer that question. You might want to talk to whoever was there at the time, but I was not there. And there's a police report. Every Everybody knows, even the landlord who was looking for me knows that I wasn't there. So... Anyways, they said, okay, that's fine. That's neither here nor there, but stand up and put your hands behind your back. You're, you're under arrest because you haven't paid the fines from that distribution case that you fought uh, and won, yeah. basically. Yeah. I just got a year probation and fines. That's all I had to do was check in with my probation officer and pay my fines. Mm-hmm. Hadn't done it. And we're going to take, we're taking possession of the children. Okay. So I go to jail. And I, I get out like eight days later, they give me an OR bond and I get out and I call my mom with my tail tucked between my legs. I'm ready to come home. I am ready. I'm done. It's been like a wild ride. Okay. From February to now it's like July 11th. Okay. Of 2019. And, um, yeah, no, that you can't like you can't even be here. Mm-hmm. First of all, and if you want to see the kids, then you need to call the caseworker and set up a time to visit the children. And even still it didn't sink in. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't quite there yet for you. No, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And so then there was a 9-month tailspin. I mean, just out of control. Yeah. And I was still going to the to the court um hearings and everything and I didn't know what any of it meant, adjudication, permanency, you know, um, here's your ISP, you can start working this. The court has technically hasn't taken your kids, so if you start doing this, then, you know, we don't have, it doesn't have to be like this. Oh, no, this is the end of the world. Let me just burn this to the ground. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't do a single thing. I could see them anytime Mm -hmm. I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I just had to, you know let them know, ask, and I could see them anytime I wanted to, and I wasn't. Yeah. Okay, and they said, Miss Tremel, we're terminating your visitation. You can't even see your kids. You can't even see your kids with your caseworker there. You cannot see your kids. It was really just one, but I had two. Mm -hmm. but, But my mom had already had the, you know, my oldest was living with my mom because I did get in that trouble there. And so Mm -hmm. thankfully it wasn't both of them, but because of Livy's case, you know, Gracie was kind of included in, you know, I couldn't be at the house. I couldn't see her, you know? And so that was really tough for me. Um, but I left that court hearing that day and got clean. That was right before the COVID shutdown. Yeah. I went to TRC, mm-hmm. checked myself into TRC. TRC, for those that may not know. Is the referral center 
Um, it used to be called, I don't know if it's still called the re- the referral center. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll drop it's the detox. Link. Yeah, I'll drop the link. The reason I ask Absolutely. you is folks that are listening may be out there and looking for resources, so I'll drop that. So you went there. Absolutely. Got some detox, right? Yeah. You know, I stayed long enough to not be high anymore. Yeah. And um, there's no, you know, for me, there was really no, um, there was no, um, what am I trying to say? Withdrawals. Mm-hmm. off of meth mm-hmm. you know yeah my body wasn't aching you know it wasn't like i needed to be medically detoxed you know what i mean i just need right. i slept for three days and i woke up and i was like yeah i'm, I'm kind of over this i'm not high anymore i don't want to go i know that i can't go get high so i called a friend and said you got to get me out of here because i have to stay clean mm-hmm. and so i went to arkansas where i I didn't know anybody, you know, and um, I could really kind of like use that time to kind of figure out my next move. And because of COVID, I didn't have court for three months, but I knew that my next court date was going to be in May. And, um, And so I knew at least by May 5th of 2020 that I had to, um, have it figured out, you know? And, um, so I reached out to a friend who said, I said, you know, I need you to get me in a sober living house and, um, I need to set up some services at SOS, like some kind of like outpatient, like intensive outpatient therapy. Like what the heck does that even mean? And some drug testing, you know, like all these new terms. So yeah, I'm like, okay. (laughs) So like, this is really happening, you know, but so by the time I, I came back, um, the first of May, somewhere around in there, Mm -hmm. 2020, 2020. And I went to the sober house the next day. I went down to SOS Mm -hmm. Um, did my intake there, and then, boom, I get to go to court, and it's like, hey, I'm in a sober house. <laughs> I got this clean drug test. I'm enrolled in my services. Yeah. They were not impressed. Mm, not yet. No, they were not impressed. Not yet. It took a long time to impress those people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so, but that's when I started just doing the next right thing. Mm-hmm. And going to meetings, Mm -hmm. you know, because I didn't have a job. Um, and in the sober, does it, can I, um, anything that's comfortable for you you to share that you're, you know, comfortable public hearing. Yeah. I was in the unity houses here Mm -hmm. in, um, Oklahoma city, um, with, uh, Stacy Curtis and, um, it was really a game changer for me when, um, it really comes to like, uh, the recovery and the women, mm-hmm. okay, that I surrounded myself with. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, you know, and and that really helped me uh, start to love myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they're big on like, you know, she don't care if you have a boyfriend, but, you know, you really shouldn't. Mm-hmm care about a relationship. That is the last thing you need to be worried about when you're trying to find your sobriety. You need to be worried about finding yourself and dating that person. I love that. I would second that as a coach. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then because there's a lot of, uh, you know, relationships are a huge factor in relapse. One of the biggest, if not the largest, are relationships. That's one of the biggest factors for going back out and using or drinking or yeah, even behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and they're worried about being together twenty four seven. You know, that's one pro of dating yourself. <laughs> right. right? Is you're always together. You're always there. Yeah. Yeah. What you do you want to do today? Spend Me? time with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Spend time with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's go. I do. Actually, let's go to yeah. SOS. You know what I mean? Like, nobody wants to go to your intensive outpatient. Yeah. But you <laughs> yourself. You know what I mean? Take you with you. Nobody looks better on you than you. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So so it's starting to take, right? And, yeah. and some some things are definitely changing. And <laughs> and so we've got a few more minutes left, right? Okay. And so and no pressure to finish, but maybe in the next 10 minutes or so. 
You should have never asked me to tell my story. No, I definitely wanted to hear your story. I'm glad to hear your story. Anybody that's that's listening in, I my hope, Ashley, is that somebody's going to hear themselves. I want you to be able to share your own story for yourself because you're listening to yourself right now, but also for others that are listening in because they may think, you know what? It's kind of like me. Yeah. And, and if it is, then that gives them hope. It gives them maybe a pathway. Yeah. It gives them something that is a different than their present circumstance, right? And take them to that next level. Maybe they need to go get detox. If you're listening in and you're, you're out there and you're doing what you do, right? And sleeping on somebody else's couch tonight, there's no judgment here. You can still listen to this podcast. Maybe you need some detox. Go get it because maybe there's a future for you. Maybe Absolutely. you're looking to get your children back or you know that you have these strengths back in your past where you, you elevated to that career level and then burned it all down, right? Yeah. It, most of us that, that come from addiction or substance use disorder have been there. I've, I've destroyed my life and career multiple times. And so to hear Ashley's story, I'm like, it gives me hope. I'm excited. Love to hear your story. Man, well, I got to have a part two because I didn't even get to the good stuff. Well, let's go there. So that's what I'd like to hear in the, in the last few minutes. That's what I was getting to. So let's, let's turn the corner, right, and open up all the goodness that brought you to close to where you're at today. Yeah, just doing the next right thing, right? So then I, um, when I say integrity, mm -hmm. and those that are listening and know the story about the fence um, will know that that was the last time that, um, you know, I hit a fence and blamed someone else for it. Okay. You know, um, because without going there... Um, there was no integrity displayed in that situation. Got it. Which ended my stint in the Unity House program. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but it was time. It was time for me to, to um, kind of make some different moves. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I transitioned. I made some good choices. I transitioned into a house with someone who had clean time, and I rented a room. With that person, um, got um, still had my job. I got a second job, okay. And when I realized that that it was good enough to pay the bills, I I quit one of those jobs, and and then kept this job and got my own place, okay. Yeah. And and then I got um, a better job at Landmark Recovery mm -hmm. with some amazing, amazing people and some fantastic recovery. If you're in the Oklahoma City area or know someone in any area, uh, Landmark's the place to go. Um, but anyways, I, I was at Landmark and, um, you know, um, Ariel had posted on her Facebook page that um, they were taking applications for the, the new a cohort for the CFSI program. And I was in trial reunification with my daughter and I was working overnights at Landmark. So it just made sense mm -hmm. to do that um, because it would get me, it, it was not wise. It would not be a wise decision for me to make, to take my daughter out of my mother's home bring her to an apartment in Oklahoma city just to find a 24 hour daycare where I can send her at night. Mm -hmm. What kind of trauma would that cause that little baby? It's already a big enough change, you know, mm -hmm. taking her out of the home. So I transitioned back into the home. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. right. Um, so for the first time in forever, I didn't get fired. I put in a 30 day notice. Mm -hmm to the job that I was working awesome. at. Awesome, yeah. And I started the CFSI program, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, is a paid program, a professionalism, a certifications, and <laughs> full integration life coaching. Hey, that's right. So, yeah, full disclosure, Ashley uh, was a student client of mine, and, and we got to work together and, and shared some amazing conversations and many resources, you know, right? The coaching, the certifications, the leadership development, the intern Man. positions, Ariel Moore. Look for the link in the show notes to this Center for Social Innovation. It's down there. Click on it. Find out more about it. If you know but, someone, yeah, get them there, man. Get them there. Um, you know, but that's where um, 
you know, so then I went through the Chubbs program, which is part of the DHS closure, basically home safety. They come in and say, you know, are you guys bonding? Can you, you know, if she's misbehaving, you know, are your plugs covered? You know, just basically like, hey, you know, your kid's coming back. We're going to make sure you guys are ready. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, this whole time I'm telling the Chubbs worker, you know, I'm going to be a parent partner at North Carolina. I'm going to be your co-worker someday, um, you know, and then an internship pops up mm-hmm. and Ariel says, you know, somebody said they, they need, this is what they need and I think you'd be perfect for it. And that's when I got matched with the amazing Lisa Buck at North Care and yeah. I got to intern under her um, for, for an amazing, uh, you know, I can't even say how long, like probably from like, uh, October to May. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't even know. It felt like forever, um, you know, that I got to be with her and I got to know people and know the, the agency and their purpose and what they're all about when it comes to mental health and just holistic, holistically, providing a whole self service mm-hmm. to their consumers. I mean, I even more said it, you know what I mean? I'm going to work for North Care because this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. This is the purpose that I want to serve. Yeah. I spent enough time away from my daughter that the only way I can reconcile that missed time is by helping others limit theirs. Right. That's extremely powerful. Extremely powerful. That's what you're there to do. That's why you're there to do it. Purpose. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. And um, at this point, when I started the Center for Social Innovation, I mm-hmm. had zero college credits, and now I'm working on like 31. All A's. I just got a presidential tuition waiver. That's renewable as long as I carry a 3.75 GPA. It's impressive. So impressive. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, right now my major is addiction counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to help others. That's my purpose. Yeah. Um, And I spent a lot of time, a lot of dark moments, a lot of really scary, lonely times laying in that twin-size bed in that sober living house, missing my daughter, Mm -hmm. not knowing where my life was going to go, feeling stagnant, like nothing, nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. But little things were happening Mm -hmm. every single day. And, and in those moments of meditation and just being still and, like, finding the time to, like, work through those thoughts, um, you know, I, I was taking little baby steps, and baby steps are not pretty. Nope, they're not. Baby steps are very ugly. Have you ever watched a baby learn how to walk? Yep. I mean, they bust, they got, my son right now has got a, a yellow goose egg right here <laughs> yeah. on his forehead. He's yeah. got a scrape on his cheek, <laughs> yep. you know, and he's nine months old and he's learning how to walk. Yeah. Right. And, and so in the courtroom, they said, you know, I told them, uh, you know, baby steps aren't pretty. Mm-hmm. And every time I come in here, you know, I might have a little scrape on my cheek or a goose egg on my head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you look at where I started and where I'm at right now, that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. huge. And that's when things started to change for me in mm-hmm. the courtroom. And with my caseworker and with the DA and with the judge, you know, and I was to a point, I'm to a point in my life where I wrote a letter to the court and I made five copies. I wanted the judge to have one. I wanted my attorney, my kid's attorney, my caseworker and my probation officer. I wanted everyone to have a letter telling them, thank you. You know, because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here right now. Um, you know, so I struggled with a lot of still underlying plus, you know, the resentment and the anger and everything on top of my mom doing this to me. She did this to me. No, my God, look what she did for me. For you. Right. Look what she did for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, mom. Thank you, mom. Yeah. 
Me too. I'm thanking her too. You know, it's incredible because when we come through this, again, if you're listening in and thinking, how in the world do you get there? You get there by doing the work. You get there by giving up the way that doesn't work. Babies don't give up on walking. No, they don't because they're made to walk. And, And you're made for recovery. If you're in addiction, you are made to recover. You're made to get through trauma, not alone. And you may need a lot of help. I've gotten a lot of help, professional help. Um, spiritual help. I've been to institutions and psychologists, psychiatrists for many years, uh, other coaches. other. I get lots of help. I don't live life on my own anymore, and you don't need to. Uh, what's guaranteed to stay the same is everything you've got right now, and worse, if you don't make a change. And you're made for change. You're made for resiliency. You're made to do exactly, I believe, exactly what Ashley's describing, but in your own life, if you're listening in. So, Ashley, in our last minute or two, I'm going to ask you um, contact information. I don't know if you had this prepared. Absolutely. If not, okay. So what's the best way for folks to contact if they want to reach out to connect or, yeah, just follow along with you? I, uh, absolutely. Facebook. Yeah. Um, it's, you want me to spell it? Well, I can, I'll can. i just drop it because yeah. we're Facebook friends. So I'll just drop yeah. that. Check the show notes and you'll see her, her handle there. Absolutely. You can message me. You can add me. Um, you know, if you ever need me for anything, you know, resources, Mm -hmm. resources, resources, Mm -hmm. I might not be able to help you. Chances are I can't help you, but I can surely point you in the right direction. Yeah. Just like I got pointed in the right direction. Right. That call I made in Arkansas, hey, you know, I need sober living. And that person said, bam, gave me a number. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. You can't keep what you have unless you give it away. No. And that's all we do. People like us, I mean, I'm including myself here as a recovery advocate, mental health and addiction. So, you know, that's what we do. Once you find something, you're like, look what I found. You just want to tell everybody about it. And whatever their pathway is, whatever their um, particular way towards recovery is, there's multiple ways to get there. But they, they all begin with the first step. Absolutely. And it may end up with a goose egg. That's you know, right. Literally, you may be stumbling around because you're, you know, coming <laughs> coming yeah. out of some difficult circumstances. <laughs> yeah. But it, emotionally, psychologically, can be very difficult. So there's there's going to be hundreds of people before you know it if you reach out for that help. So um, and then can we drop an email address for you can decide? Yeah. Okay. Ashley dot at yahoo dot com. Okay, so we'll drop that we'll too, along with the handle on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then um, let's give you an opportunity for some closing words. Um, what seems most important to share as we close our time together? You know, when it's, um, when it's time to grow, you will be repotted and, you know, baby steps are ugly and, and growth is really uncomfortable, but under pressure is where the diamonds are made, you know? And so you have to have all of those elements, you know, you have to feel the right amount of pressure. That's what gives you the power to keep going and you have to know that just because this part of my life is changing doesn't mean that that it's going to be worse you know that you know you're just going to be once you're uncomfortable the only way out of that is to get comfortable you know so you go from a small pot to a bigger pot you're going to be much more comfortable you're going to be able to stretch out and move and um you know that's very metaphorically speaking um just don't be afraid, be still. And uh, you don't have to move too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Just just wait on it. Mull it over. Think it through. And um, find you a life coach. I don't know if you know any. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Life Coach really helped me. Uh, The sessions that I had with you, Charles, you know, I say it over and over again. Just being able to get all those thoughts and plans that I had in my head that I wasn't sure where they were going, just to say them to you and you say them back to me, um, put a lot of plans in motion. A lot of things that I was thinking and doing all at once that I was holding in, get it out. Just get it out. Get it out. Get it out. And, and get going. 
grow and and flourish. That's all that I have. That's that's a perfect place to end it. Ashley Trammell, thank you so much for being my guest on the show. Okay, thank you. I'm I'm honored still. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today. Testing the microphones. Hey, Ashley, why don't you say a few words for us? Testing the microphones. Hey, Charles, how does this sound? It sounds really good. So let me let me max your volume. How do you know? Uh, I'm looking at the little wavelengths, the little waveforms on oh, my on GarageBand. Okay. Oh. So this is the magic. I'm going to turn it around for you okay. so you can see it. So yours is the top. This is these are your waveforms, and these are mine here. Okay. Yeah. See All that? Right. That's when see, that you, was a little much. Yeah. That's perfect. okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's perfect. Yeah. And we can adjust the, the distance from you and all that good what stuff. What about that? How are we right there? It's amazing. All right. And we'll, li- we'll listen back and get a sound check. Okay. Let's do it. Microphone check. One, two, check, one, two. Check. <laughs>